Human family, thank you for tuning in. I'm Keenan White, and I'll be sharing stories, dialogues, and methodologies for leading a conscious, abundant life. To me, luminous is a word that connects us to our vital life force energy and soul essence. Your bioluminosity is a barometer for health, a gauge for abundance, true prosperity, and a luminous way of life. In this podcast, I hope you find a more effortless way of tuning into the wisdom of your body, soul, and spirit. We'll explore the many faces of medicine, creativity, and self-mastery as it evolves and spans into esoteric and ancient wisdom and modern paradigm shifts in consciousness. Hey everyone, so today we're going to be talking about presence and being seen and being seen. So this is an interesting topic because in the world of coaching and transformation, it seems like most of the processes that come back that lead somebody back somewhere, it's always back to presence. I agree. And there's a reason for that. It seems that in this place of presence, we have this space where energetically we can tap into really infinite possibilities yes (laughs) (laughs) right you know this really well Danielle I do I do yeah it it really is when we go unconscious um that we yeah cut off that possibility and you know when I guess when it comes to being seen for me, you know, going unconscious, it has been the reason why it's been a difficult idea. Um, so when I was, you know, young, really young, like kindergarten through second grade, I was like, not aware of what other people were thinking of me. I was just really present. And I would wear my hair in different styles every day and different outfits and I was super creative and I would play with like all the different kids on the playground, whether it was the girls one day um, on the monkey bars or the boys playing soccer, even if, even I, when I was the only girl and I was just like really in the moment and having fun. And then something switched for me when I switched schools um, in third grade. And all of a sudden it's just like, I w- it was almost like I went from shining my light and not thinking about what people thought of me because I was just being me to the, all of a sudden it felt like a spotlight was on me and I, I wasn't good enough um, because I couldn't make any friends. So all the kids already were in their little friend groups. And for some reason, like they wanted to delve me into the four square games or I just didn't feel welcome. And so that's when it like seemed like it switched for me. Yeah. Was there a point? Cause what comes up for me is I think about this idea of trauma and like how the word trauma it's, it has its own trigger. It's like, we, we tend to think about trauma as like something serious, you know, that can be put us in grave danger, or maybe there's a debilitating injury, but trauma can be really small. It can be these moments. I mean, pretty much the way I see it is anything that takes you out of your natural state of being. Yeah. Or presence or presence. Yeah. And so that, that whatever event that's taking you out of that, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, sometimes at a point when that happens where we feel uncomfortable or we feel like something happened that that didn't go well, maybe, you know, 
It's harder to make friends. Now, because of that, I don't like that. I don't like to be uncomfortable. Mm. I'm deciding to do this now. Mm. And that, and that's, I think, where the, the trauma gets reinforced as a pattern. Mm-hmm. And we have this sort of like protective mechanism that gets set up in which we become a little less authentic. Yeah, totally. And that's what happened to me. So I went from, you know, being this super creator, um, you know, just flowing with my, I was a very good artist. And so I would like draw these really cool drawings just from my imagination and like win all the contests. I would draw like a flower and it was like, you know, all cool and different. And then, you know, the person next to me is like trying to draw the most perfect flower. Well, then everyone voted and everyone liked mine, you know, cause it was just more, just from my imagination, more wild and free. And then I went to this new school and I started to think I wasn't good enough. My drawings weren't good enough. And so now I need to be a more perfected version of myself, more acceptable somehow. And so I started started to trace my drawings. So I would take, you know, some, I don't know, like cereal box and put it under a piece of paper and just, you know, trace what was already there because it was safe. Um, does that make sense? It does. Yeah. <clears throat> so it's interesting. Like, so what it, I, I'm curious to, to tie the part about being seen in, because I think there's an interesting thing about safety that we're touching on, which is the importance of, I mean, I think about the importance of safety. Like when we're safe and we truly feel safe authentically, mm-hmm. then our nervous system can relax. Yeah. And, and there's that place of exploration that can happen from that place Mm -hmm. and then there's the kind of safety i think that you pointed to which is like playing safe where we sort of settle and there's a kind of inner compromise to to what actually feels true yes and that might show up in an outer way Mm -hmm. um but how do you see um how do you see being seen in terms of the way you're playing safe at that moment like it felt like I was always being watched. And hmm. so I had to act or perform in a certain way in order to be accepted. And if I wasn't, if, if it wasn't, if I wasn't playing safe, then I might, you know, be rejected or um, I would further feel alienated from the groups. And so, yeah, it just felt like all of a sudden, um, I just had to be very self-conscious, you know, very concerned with like how I was showing up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So then, <clears throat> I mean, sometimes this happens like when I go into an ecstatic dance environment mm-hmm. and I think to yeah, myself, like, example. <laughs> do I want to be seen or do I want to see? Mm-hmm. And, and I really try to encourage myself to, um, to be seen because in that place, it's not necessarily that I'm, I'm watching what other people see of me, which is more like seeing. It's like looking outwardly. And then I kind of see like, if, if I want to see, I'm looking around and looking at people and like maybe grabbing some inspiration from somebody doing some weird stuff over there or whatever it is. If I want to be seen, I pretty much go in my own internal process. And like, if people see me, it's just kind of like, I don't know. Yeah. I'm just really tapping into like what's moving me and pulsing me, which is a pretty different energy. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. It can be good either way. Yeah, totally. 
And I love that feeling I had when I was really young, when it just didn't, it wasn't even a concept. It just was, it didn't matter to be seen. Mm -hmm. Like, what is that? What are you talking about? (laughs) I just think that's so sweet and innocent. And, you know, when you're really just present in the moment, um, it's like, you don't think that it's like, it seems like, you know, at least I didn't, I wasn't thinking of that. So what is it that takes us out of presence? It seems like like what we're talking about today is really cool because, you know, as we move through life, you know, and for those that are listening, you know, what are you holding on to that's not allowing you to relax into that presence, that childlike curiosity and wonder and awe and that natural state of being that's not, it doesn't have a story of trauma. It's not, it's just moving. And, and from that place, that's where I think a lot of creative inspiration comes from yes and that's where we really tap into like whoa like in this moment right now anything is possible yeah and i have infinite choice like whoa like how powerful is that is that creative capacity if we don't if we're not in that there's something driving us towards something else and we may feel like there's a compensation or I have to do this, or there's usually just some story attached to that. Mm-hmm. That's going to be driving the, our behavior in a, in a direction that doesn't feel as yeah. free and just kind yeah. of like pure joyful. What's the motivation behind your creative pursuit? And if it has to do with trying to look good in the eyes of others or meet the need expectations of other people, then it's taking you out of your, the purity of that life force energy and that, that creative energy that wants to flow through you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. Yeah. I mean, I feel like uh, I've got a similar experience or experiences where that's happened, you mm-hmm. know, like, I mean, just times where I've put myself in a place of just judging judgment, you know, comparison. And I think, I yeah. think that's, really like the moment that at least like in retrospect looking back and like witnessing more of myself of course these things play out and we're human and we're not perfect like we're not always in presence but I noticed that it was in the times that I would begin to to move my awareness from from my own body and my own field and my own immediate experience which is I I think where that personal sovereignty comes from it's like this is my space of governance and self-governance and when I move into an like the the greater field of you know the relational field I mean great like there's much more to explore there and in those places as soon as I start comparing like what's happening with me over here there's usually some judgment that comes in and that judgment is always like a way of control controlling like what's going to happen mm-hmm. i mean i just associate mm-hmm. judgment with control it's like as soon as there's judgment there's some level of like mm. hmm, like okay so what would i be trying to control yeah and i think typically that's a level of safety and i think that yeah, like deeper totally. deeper need like beyond like maslow's hierarchy of needs of like shelter and safety and security and then we have like you know it goes up from there up to self-actualization but this I mean, I think part of the the bottom of it is belonging. Mm. And it's like, if I don't belong or fit in, how do I do that? Right. And yeah, I think like one of the the biggest things about, um, yeah, like holding a greater presence in one's life is, is finding that true belonging within oneself. Mm -hmm. 
because in that play in that in that case when you really feel like you you've tapped into that that sense of authenticity of like I'm not going to move away from this place of like who I am and how I'm going to express myself then there's a then you can really show up and belong anywhere right it's like you have these roots that are like grounded in you know in your sovereignty like you were saying um, and nothing can really sway you from that and then that's where like true confidence comes from and true self-love um, when we're not willing to be swayed anymore by other people's opinions um, or beliefs about us mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah it's uh it's it's cool when you're talking about you know yeah judgment and um starting to compare ourselves because I think that that is really what I you know did at that age um I started to look around and see well what are other people doing to in order to belong to these groups um, of kids and then I tried to copy what they were doing uh and that's where this whole like you know again that perfection that um imitation energy came from and all of a sudden I was no longer being authentic. I was trying to do what other people were doing in order to belong. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I appreciate your vulnerability because you're sharing like a pretty soft spot. Yeah. Well, I've experience. done a lot of inner work around it. And so like, it's much more solid and solidified and healed, but mm-hmm. yeah, still, you know, there's layers to all of this. So, yeah. And I think like, I mean, what I gather from like your share is that like when you're vulnerable with that and you just start to be authentic, mm-hmm. you just are honest, like, yeah, that was my experience. Mm-hmm. That's the, that's the, the edge of growth and like getting back into presence yeah. and working through trauma because you're, yeah, you're just honoring what is and finding and holding some space for that. Yeah, absolutely. Because you, know? you could be judging that right now. I mean, I sense that you're not, Right. <laughs> you're not, I yeah. mean, you've moved beyond it and so you can talk about it freely and it's maybe it was i mean we think about it like maybe it's maybe it's embarrassing like we could try to put a judgment on or a level a label or whatever it is but i mean it doesn't really matter it's It's, i mean it's only embarrassed it's a judge embarrassment to me is like a judgment you know exactly so there's nothing embarrassing about the human experience exactly and moving beyond like even just any sense of that it's like okay like whatever happened is and mm-hmm. it is what it is right. and coming back to that space of acceptance yes i think that's a really big cornerstone of intimacy with oneself mm-hmm. is um is finding acceptance yeah and and eventually that leading to allowance and i think a lot of the like the shadow work that can be done with with healing trauma or working through that repatterning coming back to presence has a lot to do with first just acknowledging and you know accepting what is like okay that's there mm-hmm. and then allowing what else wants to come through um allowing it to be there but finding um yeah like a deeper sense of allowance allowance with what else wants to come through like beneath of that so like i kind of see it as like yeah, like this sort of process of acknowledging the initial thing and then, okay, like what actually is beyond that though? Because that's the story of like what, mm-hmm. um, you know, maybe what held me in a place of limitation based on what I really want to create because there's a desire, there's something pulsing in me that wants something new, mm-hmm. wants a new experience. Mm-hmm. 
So like, what's your, what's been your journey? Do you want to speak to that element of like, when you work through that, um, since we're kind of using sure. your case, <laughs> like, um, like what came through once, you, once you brought some presence to that, once you found more acceptance with that, what, what were you allowing like next? I would say really my creative authentic expression has been coming out more and more. Um, because I feel like over the years, like I really had suppressed that, you know, and even looking back, um, you know, 10 years ago when I uh, got my certification as a life coach, I was looking around to see how other people had branded themselves, for instance, and presented themselves. And so, you know, I kind of took a page out of everyone else's book and started to create my website, my branding materials in this very professional way that is very minimal. And I mean, to my inner child, quite boring. <laughs> and um, as of recently, uh, not so much my website, my website, well, I love my website and <laughs> now with my branding. So some of the events I'm putting on, I've been creating these really awesome flyers that just are full of flowers and, um, you know, uh, jungle or whatever the, the theme or you know um, like the late like I'm putting out a event called brunch and bloom and it just has uh, this collage of uh, beautiful colors and so now that's coming out of me and I realized that's part of my purpose is to bring this beauty and this creative expression to you know whatever it is that I'm you know the events or the speaking gigs or coaching whatever it is so that wasn't a part of my expression for a long time because I had shut it down. Even though as a fashion designer in my first career, um, there's quite a bit of red tape around that. So it was kind of quite fully bust out into your creative expression. And so I've, I'm kind of letting go of the red tape of my own consciousness and saying, no, fuck that. <laughs> like we're going there, like we're having fun. And my inner child's much happier now that we're like letting that all out because that was that big wound um, from before. Yeah. I mean, <clears throat> what's all this about anyways, you know, this life and like what we're here for. Mm. Yeah. Other than that, you know, Yeah. and getting yeah. back. And I, I think like, it's interesting to watch kids and I kind of reminds me of this, um, this shaman that gave a talk during this lecture. I think he's somewhere in the Baltic sea mm. And he was just pointing to this idea that the teacher, the most important teacher that we have right now on this planet is, is like the two-year-old, you know, the one that is just completely here and present and doesn't have that conditioned sense of how things are going to be. Yeah. Or should be. Should be. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And coming back to that, I mean, I think like, like that's what we really need to see more of I mean absolutely you know and you'll see in public like if a kid is let's say a two-year-old's throwing a tantrum and they're quieting the kid with a lot of fear like Shh, quiet you know because <gasps> you don't want to upset the other people and it's you know it's understandable I mean you don't you know what this yeah it's understandable <laughs> and when we do that to the kids um it really puts a damper on on our expression like they're communicating something. What are they communicating? Instead of just quieting and shushing them. I feel like if we can take a layer of judgment or a few layers of judgment off of that, um, 
how we behave in public, whether even when you're sitting there and like you're crying, you know, you won't see that a lot in public because people don't feel like that's acceptable. But I love when I look over and not, not that I'm happy that they're crying. I mean, I don't know why they're crying, but if they are and it's authentic and vulnerable, um, it, it gives me permission to know that if I have an emotion that comes up, I can also do that. You know, we can kind of give each other permission by just being real um, in public or wherever we are. Yeah, totally. Yeah, I mean, it seems to me that we at least in my experience, like I've taken life pretty seriously. And part of my conditioning has been like going through school and seeing, all right, what's next is getting this job and making these things happen. And yeah, I mean, for me, like in my, in my journey, it's been coming from a place where I felt like growing up and this is just my experience. Maybe my parents have a different, you know, reality of course they do but I felt like I was I had to step into the role of being the parent mm. for my parents mm -hmm. and like I couldn't be the kid that got to play mm -hmm. and I mean what that tends to set up in terms of attachment styles is more of like an avoidant attachment mm -hmm. because for me like and looking back I can see like well my needs are not going to are not going to get met so I'll be less likely to go into connection because I'm safer over here. Mm -hmm. Because when I go into connection, that means that I have to deal with all of your problems mm -hmm. and I don't want to do that. I feel much more comfortable yeah. over, over here. Yeah, I totally relate. I have the same, yeah, attachment style. And I mean, in some ways like that was like what drove my achievement. Mm -hmm. Like, I feel like I did mm -hmm. really well in school and I got great grades all throughout university but it wasn't fulfilling. It was, it was like, I was using my knowledge as a way of like, like, yeah, I mean, some, some, I guess it was driving me towards something and that something was always somewhere external, like in another book or in another, you know, from another person that held some information and ultimately that information is within myself. And so that journey of um, coming, coming back to myself, coming back to that childlike presence has been amazing because it's, it's clearing out those programs that say, you know, that I can't play or that mm -hmm. I have to keep things serious or whatever it is that I decided somewhere along the way that life is when I come into relationship, you know, I have to deal with these problems. Um, and yeah, it's, I think like, I mean, one of the biggest things that's helped me is really movement. Mm -hmm. I mean, just getting movement, moving and moving the body in particular ways that have allowed me to repattern my neurophysiological like wiring, mm -hmm. because if you're, if you're moving in a totally new way, your, your brain's almost like, oh, like we're doing something totally different. And now I can, like, now this pattern is a little less relevant, mm -hmm. but if we keep running the same thing over yeah. and over again, right. you know, like if I keep reading books and doing these things and finding mm -hmm. these things, like, sure, that may be the same strategy, whatever I formed, because part of it actually I can see and connect that. Yeah. It was from 
you know, when you do really, really good at school, here's some money. Mm-hmm. Like I get love when I, when I do achievement or whatever it is. Yeah. Um, so anyways, yeah, I just, I mean, my way out of that has been movement and coming back to my body and, and finding a yogic practice that's been just amazing because it's, it's all about bringing that awareness within, within your body and seeing that there's these layers of consciousness everywhere and there's um there's a consciousness in the knee and then the ankle and like in your neck right and you may have <laughs> neck pain it's like oh, i want to want that thing to go away but it's actually speaking to you and the more you place your awareness there there's gifts there's um there's something to be integrated typically and i i see that integration process as um a journey back home to oneself to where more presence is possible. Mm-hmm. And from that greater presence, there's more just curiosity, the childlike curiosity of like, well, like, what do I want to choose now? And like, may, might there be a, an impulse that is inside of me that's just like leading me more from the body as opposed to what my mind might yes. want to control, judge, and think its way through. Yes, absolutely. That's been my experience as well as um, really just full, full surrender into what my spirit and through my body, my spirit through my body is guiding me to rather than from my mind of thinking, what will impress other people? What will, you know, get me a higher um, a status or whatever, you know, these old programs have us thinking. And instead just, you know, moving with the body, what, and, and moving toward what will nourish it, what will have it, have you feel expressed. Um, I did this really cool training in Bali, in Ubud, Bali in 2017. And the whole premise of this modality was about fully surrendering your body. And you, you lie on these yoga mats or whatever was around blankets and the um, main facilitator named Amara Samada, she would play this um, this journey of music, basically. And it was, was kind of like the shamanic journey. And so the songs would start off and kind of like, you know, breathing and then into like tribal drumming um, and eventually into this dissonant music, which basically, you know, everyone's laying there and you kind of just see what's coming up. You allow it to come up and eventually there um, for me my body would start to move itself and it was through this full practice of surrender and I would start weaving energy um, it, I mean that's my I don't even know what I was doing <laughs> but my hands were moving and I could tell that it was something that I'm pulling forward from a other existence of some kind another lifetime and it was really cool to witness myself in this space um, and the, uh, just going back to the, so the dissonant music would basically kind of al- allow people's inner turmoil to come out. And so some people would start like screaming and some people would start crying and that would trigger other people. And so all of a sudden it's like this popcorn of this orchestra of different emotions, different expressions coming out. And the space was meant to be this full space, um, a deep space of um, allow- <laughs> deep allowance um deep permission to express whatever there is for you to express and um it was ex- extremely healing i remember in one 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 journey you could say it's a journey um one inner guidance journey 
I had this desire to be the loudest person in the room because I had never felt like I gave that permission to myself. And so I just started screaming at the top of my lungs and it felt amazing. And I was the loudest person <laughs> for that journey. And it was really cool. I was like, I did that, you know, and I, and I wasn't scared. Um, like in the past I had been because if, yeah, if I had drawn that much attention to myself, oh no, I'm seen. So mm -hmm. some of these, yeah, experiences of just letting ourselves go there. And it, it just ties back to, for me, you know, like the being in public and how constricted and concerned we are with behaving in a certain way. So it's like comparing that to then in these experiences where everyone's just going buck wild mm -hmm. um, and letting it all out. And the whole premise of that work is really to work through whatever it is that, you know, is inside of your consciousness that is ready to be seen, witnessed, and then let go of that's no longer mm -hmm. serving your highest expression. Yeah. I mean, your, your expression and telling him all that just reminds me of how intertwined surrender is with presence and authenticity yeah. and just thinking about like, okay, well, you walk into a room or maybe you go into this workshop and you have no idea what's going to happen. Yeah. So part of it is really surrendering to just being there mm -hmm. and allowing what arises because it's similar. Like mm -hmm. I've been in holotropic breath workshops where you go in and I mean, I had no idea what was going to happen. That mm -hmm. I'd like totally rebirth myself right. through the breath. <laughs> yeah. Going to this whole incredible, um, yeah, like integration of something much deeper, which really was more of like a, a dynamic within myself based on how I was holding energy in the body and like what tension was there and that, that I didn't realize was there. And mm -hmm. that could be blasted through with just breathing and a lot and having that, like that kind of like surrender breath, that intentional moment to moment and surrender. Mm -hmm. And then you come into a whole nother, you know, sense of presence. Exactly. And That's so a good way to put it. Yeah, I guess it like what I'm just feeling is like, I feel like, you know, this episode is really about highlighting the importance of what leads one to presence and why, you know, some of these embodiment practices, as we call them, which basically allow us to be more in the body, to be more in our feeling states, and therefore have a, a greater intimacy with what's really going on inside so we can make better choices and also connect to our intuitive faculty, which I think is a sort of like almost silent pandemic in a way where there's, it seems like we're, we've been so in the hyper mind mm -hmm. of intellectualizing and understanding things here and in the left side of the brain that we figured about this whole right side of the brain, left side of the body, which is a little bit more of this feminine side in a way mm -hmm. that's allowing that's just being in the energy being in the feeling and from that feeling that's where we we connect up to passion to purpose to each other mm -hmm. um yeah we connect to our yeah. inner light and then we allow that to move us allowing the spirit of creation to move us rather than moving from our mind you can't really shine and you can shine in your mind like a little bit you might yeah, have an sure. epiphany or i mean there's a light that turns sure, on but sure. it feels like that 
that shine. I don't know if you mentioned in the beginning, but we certainly did in our outtakes and <laughs> <Yeah>. bloopers. <laughs> shining a light. Yeah, shining. Yeah. We're, we're kind of touching on that now. Right. It's like, what's that place of shining where mm -hmm. we were really radiant? Yeah. I mean, it doesn't happen like when we're just like holding all of our energy like up in the head. Right. When we're trying to figure not it out. being present, right? So when we're present, it just happens automatically, you know? And uh, I liked what you said earlier about it's almost like, you know, so you went through these moments in the holotropic breathing where you faced some inner conflict and then you were able to move beyond it. And all of a sudden now you feel a new level of presence. So I love like thinking of it, like there's these like veils or these layers that cause us to be contracted and not be present and kind of in fear and trying to perform in a certain way. But as we face these inner conflicts or turmoil or, you know, um, heavy, dense energies inside of us, and we shine that light on them, shine the light of our awareness on those with love, with unconditional love or neutrality or however you want to see it, um, that's when these veils can start to fall away and melt. And all of a sudden we get to come more in, you know, fully into this experience and be fully available for other people and fully available for this experience. And life feels mm -hmm. orgasmic in this state for me. Like that is my experience when I over the years, you know, working on myself in, internally and kind of um, reaping the rewards for work well done in a way, honestly, because as this inner junk, it, it, I mean, it sounds like a judgment, but still, I mean, it's just heavy, this heavy, dense energy as we move it through and out of our body, we become this vessel to allow this pure divine universal energy to flow through us. And that energy is freaking blissful it feels amazing yeah that kundalini shakti one word for sure. it but just the energy permeating everything i just love that you share that because i mean i feel the same way it's i mean there's a time where i was like what am i even doing on this for this work and it's leading somewhere and you, there's an, a sense or an intuition that's like okay this is all going somewhere and ultimately the rewards are worth it mm -hmm. there there really is that more mm -hmm. common experience of radiance bliss ecstasy the the natural state in the vedas they call it ananda which is bliss mm. like our natural state is bliss and if you see a kid walking around and like being in the flow of things that kid is just mm. loving it and mm -hmm. has that kind of in some ways it's almost like they're so tapped they're, they're so connected to that energy that mm -hmm. um there's no distinction of like what it would be like when you're not connected to it mm. Um, but yeah, I think for the people that are, that are listening here also that just to see that it's worth, it's worth the work. And if you're in a place where you, you feel like you're, you're just not there, you, you know, it's happening and there's a transformational tension there. I think that we're, when we, we keep moving through some of this denser material and release it and integrate it and feel it and process it, et cetera, particularly in relationship then you know we, we feel like sometimes there's a relapse mm -hmm. like i thought i'd done this work and then now i'm back in this place and that is transformational tension sometimes the very thing we work through has to come 
to the surface again to be fully released to be like yeah we fully see it in its face and we're like and it's just basically like i'm not saying yes to this anymore yeah it's like a test mm-hmm. are you going to go back into the old you know way of perceiving it or the old trauma or are you going to come from this higher state of consciousness and love yourself through it yeah and i think that it's also maybe it's like we face it and there's like a decision but it's also it's also how we relate to it because in some ways we'll always have memories of what's been there Mm -hmm. but then we're like oh old friend the new state of consciousness how you're relating to it exactly yes Mm -hmm. yeah we have to if we continue to see it in the same way or the same light that we were before it just continues the pattern Mm -hmm. And I, I connected to, uh, I was putting on this astrology class for a little while called the so- Solar Lunar Awakening. And what this is, is really just bringing people into this understanding of their sun and their moon sign, because with these two components in one's natal, natal map, you can see this quality of awareness and quality of, of like, heavier material which is in some ways just the subconscious realm and so that that light of awareness is the sun it's the soul or or soul Mm -hmm. like our sun Mm -hmm. that lives through us that's this pure unconditional love and and awareness that we can use to shine on the subconscious material or the or the lunar matter which is the subconscious world the body and so in terms of if anyone is interested in astrology and wants to explore that, I mean, it's a beautiful way to look at the dance between the sun and the moon and see this sacred marriage of spirit, sun, and how that that's interplaying with the subconscious world and the body, the moon. That's beautiful. I love that. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's been fun. It has. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Is there anything else that you would like to share? um not so much i think that's it i think i'm feeling complete too awesome